0: Uh okay, to the polo archive. Finally, we're here. Finally. I got Jesse to sit down and fucking do this after months. I know there's some serious haters out there who have been like like still sending me messages like you guys are liars. The polo archive's not coming. What's going on here? Yeah. But sorry, guys, I'm doing this for the love.
1: The haters can fuck off. <laughs>
0: My background—it's great. great. hiki come on, you want to lay me right <laughs> This reminds that's... me of fucking uh, Wayne's World, where they're like, "I'm in Delaware." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So Green's today, pretty rad. T- tell us about uh your polo, your polo collecting, and how you why you got into it and why you like polo in the first place.
1: Well, um, first of all. I want to tell people that I wasn't ever like down with the low life culture or anything like that. That was not part of my life. Um, I got into vintage polo strictly through the vintage business. Um, Growing up, you know, when we, when we were teenagers, we used to listen to hip hop and, you know, there's a lot of influence there. Um, But also, just growing up mom and dad used to take us to the outlet mall on military road in niagara falls new york and uh we used to go buy polo and i remember um distinctly actually it's a funny story one christmas mom bought us bear knits which probably was around 92 so i was like 14 15 at the time yeah. and I remember we were both like, "What the fuck? I don't want to wear this. I'm not wearing a sweater with a fucking teddy bear on it." So, just to give people, I don't even
0: point. think we have. I don't remember any pictures of us in those. And I can't. I was only twelve, so I can't even remember that type of truth.
1: Yeah, I remember it, and I remember being annoyed. I was like, "What the fuck? I don't want this bear, <laughs> teddy bear sweatshirt. This is whack." Um, but anyways, yeah, we just used to wear a polo, and then as I Got a little bit older in uh, as a teenager, you know. That's what we would go get. It was like Tommy, Nautica, Polo. I mean, not in that order necessarily, but it was just those were the outlet. Those were the outlet stores at the outlet mall, and we wanted to be fly, you know. So I I know we have pictures of you wearing uh, Hill figure outdoors and oh yeah and different things like that. And so and, for, and, for those
0: people that. Like he's talking about the outlet mall in, in Niagara Falls, New York. Cause we lived on the Canadian side and everybody in those days did all their shopping over the, we called it over the river because we had to go over actual river and our dad still says over the river, even if he just drives over the border now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> in Washington. Yes. Yeah. That's um, awesome. But you go over the river and you'd load up because the Canadian dollar was, was more equal to the U S dollar at some points. And, You'd bring back all this shit and try to sneak it into Canada duty free, but that's what he. Yeah, we
1: used about. to wear dirty shoes over, like our rungiest, oldest shoes, and just throw them out, and we yeah. wear brand new shoes across, so we didn't have to pay duty. Um, we even used to go and get groceries over in the states; it was that yeah. that much cheaper. So and gas and c-
0: if cigarettes, if you're a, if you're hacking butts,
1: oh you yeah. Butts. Go to, yeah, that's right, Chippewa, Chippewa man um
0: so, so yeah that, get into well it.
1: That, that that was my earliest memories of polo was wearing polo in my teenage years you know trying to look dope trying to look fly have a little bit more flashy more expensive gear on but i didn't necessarily know about like all of the fast like all of the sub labels all of the lines and, and things like that it was just like yo i got a nice polo shirt i got a, a nice polo sweater or sweatshirt or jacket and that was cool um And then fast forward, probably around 2005 um, I started catching wind of like all the polo culture with the advent of the internet and that of like all the polo culture, uh, you know, primarily based around New York, obviously Red, you know, shout Reggie, uh, them dares like Chicago and that. And there was like people all over doing it, but primarily in New York and that kind of was like, oh, wow this is really interesting and, you know, started, you know, doing some research on it and seeing more of it because we're always picking polo, you know, not because it was polo, but because it was an expensive brand, you know? So it's like, if you see a sweater in the rag, that was Ralph Lauren, you know, it was $160, $200 brand new. Why wouldn't you pick that, you know? So we're always picking polo, but it wasn't until I kind of found out about the culture, Um, that I started really looking for it, you know, and looking, oh wow, this is like, this is a sick piece. I've seen this on uh, vintage gear addicts or whatever, you know, like some of the earlier sites that were pushing that culture um, and, and, you know, kind of uh, documenting it, so to speak.
0: Um, So at this present day, your wardrobe is probably like 95% polo
1: yeah i mean what i wear on the day today is probably 75 percent polo but yeah my wardrobe if you were to like add up all my garments and then do the math yeah it's probably 95 and for sure with
0: the collection but even like when you go do your personal day-to-day shopping now do you guys still you still buy polo
1: not really man no Uh, you know what i think because they're doing so many retros I'm just not really into it. If there's something really cool and unique that comes out, I'll look for it. Um, But I have so much polo that it's like I don't want the retro shit.
0: And what else do you need? need? You're probably good. Yeah. What else do you need? And, And
1: a lot of the re a lot of the redos are kind of of a lesser quality.
0: Without going too deep into it, for people that don't know, can you like talk about the low life culture in New York in the beginning?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so there was a, the low life gang or club or, you know, group of people, if you will. Um, I don't know what they call themselves. Um, but, the, yeah, it was a group of guys from uh, the boroughs in New York. Um, primarily Brooklyn, I believe. You know, I'm sure there's guys from the Bronx and Queens and, and other boroughs. But... Um, It was a boosting culture, so it was like guys that basically wanted to have dope gear. Uh, People from low-income neighborhoods that didn't have the means financially to buy this nice gear, they were going and boosting it. They were boosting is uh, shoplifting. They were going and stealing it. Yeah. Um, You know, and I think that was part of the esteem was like how much could you get? But I mean, it was all. I mean, you can't, don't quote me on any of this, but this is my, you know, what I've discerned from what I've done the research in that, yeah. Is that basically these guys wanted to have dope gear. They wanted to look fly. They wanted to bring, they wanted to be able to say, yo, I have, look at me, I fly, I have all this sick gear and, um, you know, I got money and so yeah it was a boosting culture so story. it
0: was it's yeah it started as like a, a cl- like to up your classism and show that you got this crazy gear and from yeah. what we've heard and talked to people they used to like they used to ransack the stores like it wouldn't be one guy going to sh- to boost a jacket they would run in 10 guys deep and just all run out so that well, hope, like,
1: hopefully no one got
0: caught but if someone did it we maybe one yeah. guy it's like one sacrifice for the team type deal and you're all getting yeah. shit and just you just grab handfuls and run like from, and I remember we we met this guy who worked on Long um, uh, Cape Cod, and he was like, I used to work for Polo Sport. And He said I worked in the stores, and he was like, I was witness to some of those events. Well, that that that's actually Ben, and now
1: he's the vice president of Double RL, um, good friend of mine. And he did work at the Polo Sport store when it first opened, and he said like guys would come in, and it was like, yeah, they wouldn't, they would just rack it, run out with tons
0: of shit, you know, like.
1: <laughs> Like, as much as you could carry and out and jump on the train and be gone.
0: Yeah. Um, And they always wanted, like, talk about the different lines because they were going for certain shit. It was the flashy stuff.
1: You know, I think it was like they wanted to make sure people knew that they were wearing polo. So they weren't trying to steal a, a nondescript golf shirt. They wanted bright colors, flashy things, interesting pieces, graphic pieces, statement pieces. So they would go in and get things like the unipress line, the Cookie line, um, the Ski line, the Sui line. Um, anything with big graphics, anything that was bold and bright and flashy and unique and cool, interesting. Um, I mean, that's what they seem to have gravitated towards. If you look at old low-life pictures, they're all styling in, you know, the earliest stuff is like, you know, the Crayola kind of uni stuff and the circle ski bits and so
0: uni stuff is what era?
1: I believe uni stuff is late eighties. Okay. Maybe into ninety. Um and again, like I'm a collector, but I'm not like the end all be all of the knowledge here.
0: Yeah. If we um, say some shit that's not true, it's okay. We can't know it all. People know that on this show already.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Read the disclaimer at the beginning. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, like like stuff yeah. from like '87, basically. Like there was Cookie Ski stuff out in '87, I believe. Um, maybe even '85, um, and then onwards. So, yeah.
0: and so back then, this is the beginning of what we now call like polo culture and low life culture. And then, how did it get to where we are now? Where I mean, the polo market's kind of fluctuated over the last like five years because of all the retros and what's going on, yeah. but it still holds value since we've been in this game, polo pieces have held value. Some have gone up, some have come down, but like it's always been a commodity we've picked and had a lot of value basically. Right. So how did we get from that to where we are now through like hip hop and all this other things that created this movement? Well, I remember like
1: when I started, like when it came on my radar and I started getting interested in it around, like I said, 2005, 2006, you could still find tons of stuff on eBay for a steal. Um, I think it quickly,
0: cause that was still when like, not a lot of people knew and it was just certain people looking. Probably. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. So I think like closer to 2010, it started to accelerate. You started to like, things are starting to go for more money. And I think it was all on the heels of that, man. It was all on the heels of the culture, the hip hop culture. I mean, you have like, like if you dig deep, there's like, you know, Rap groups that speak about polo, talk about polo, like you know, artifacts, um, Sadat X. You know, you got Mob Deep talking about polo. People even wearing polo in music videos. Nas wearing polo and Polo Sport. Rayquan. Um, yeah, Rayquan with the Snow Beach. I mean, that's probably the most like known thing, right? Like, but there was tons of guys wearing polo or rapping about polo and Ralph Lauren and Polo Sport and. uh I think it was when, like, vintage streetwear, vintage urban clothing, kind of came into vogue, that it kind of came on most people's radar. And then, I mean, I'd say in the last ten years, um, the low have got a lot of shine. You know, they've, like, even Ralph Lauren has recognized them and put some of those guys on, profiled them on the website or done bits with them or had them model stuff like i know thurston howell who
0: for people that don't know he has one of the craziest collections right
1: he was one of the he is like the i believe the founder or one of the founders of the low life same with rack low (coughs) um and there's other guys so please don't you know people watching this don't take any disrespect i'm not an expert on it but thurston and rack low are certainly the some couple of the forefathers of that whole movement um, and there was other gangs too that were doing that, or clubs, or whatever you want to call them. Like there's the Decepticons um, that were also boosting. Uh, the low lives, I mean, they're the low lives for a reason, and that's that you know they. I would say it was it's. They're responsible for putting that shit on the map. If it wasn't for those guys, it would have just lost in the sauce. Yeah. They and then brought it into hip hop culture they you know they made it cool and urban um synonymous with like early hip-hop culture early urban culture that now people looking back wanting to emulate that people into vintage are you know wanting to be a part of that
0: yeah and uh we're about to get into this collection we're gonna start today with the country tease so give us like a quick rundown just so people know what to expect in future episodes like How many categories here are we gonna be covering?
1: Um, We're gonna cover a lot. Um, I'm not a huge collector of like Stadium or 92. That's just not my bag, it never really was. I'm not a huge Snow Beach collector. Uh, I'm more into like obscure bits. I do have some of that, like I have P-Wing bits and I have Stadium stuff and I have, you know, some of those really popular lines. but I'm kind of more into obscure bits and I have men's. I have a lot of women's too. I have kids stuff. For me, it's not so much like, it's more about the collecting unique things than having like, um, like every stadium piece It was never my thing. And also being in the business, Drew, you know, that like sometimes when we got those bits, it was kind of like, shit, should I keep this or should I sell this for
0: $1,500? Yeah, 100%. And people always ask, like, why didn't you keep more of that or that? But you're like, I'm not going to wear a $1,500 t-shirt or I'm not going to rock around in this polo in this jacket if someone's going to offer me 800 bucks at the bowl. You know, we're taking that money sometimes. So that's, that's why like, well, we're actually, still in business. We're still in
1: business, right. So, <laughs> but a lot of the collection, too, is tailored around my style. So, you know, I wear earth tones. I'm 42 years old. I'm a dad. I'm not going out wearing Crayola, yellow, green, blue, red, flashy, boom, boom, boom. That's just, I just don't wear that kind of clothing.
0: Yeah. So, so you've I told me before them. too, like, you know, when you look at Polo versus other brands, Polo stayed very true to its American kind of, uh, like, it sells the, the American dream in a weird way of of culture and fashion and like, Western styling and these things that are synonymous with polo, but also like American life, I guess um, And they've also not done They haven't ever sold out. They haven't ever like done collab a lot of these collabs that other brands have done they have not Really strayed very far from their roots and they're not like they're not like a Gucci. They're not but they're not they're like in the middle like a high-end brand, but they're not like unobtainable either So so yeah. Speak a little bit about that and like double RL and like yeah. Their design. I mean,
1: I think you know Ralph Lauren always had a vision. It was it was a bit of the American dream per se. So a lot of his lines dating back way back um, to the late '80s, mid '80s even, and then more predominantly into the early '90s. Paid homage to early Americana, so you have like workwear, motorcycle culture. Um, you have um,
0: western wear,
1: western wear. You know, you have um, like all of those Even military,
0: like, military, yeah, huge military, um, sport, and uh, and you know, like uh, first nations clothing, first nation clothing,
1: yeah. um, aboriginal kind of stuff. Also, um, sportsman gear. You know, like things that were hunting, actually fishing. hunting, fishing, outdoorsman type of stuff, right? So that was kind of like that was Americana with clothing. If you're looking at it from a historical perspective,
0: and um, it, it, all clothing, all the categories we just mentioned and you mentioned, hold a purpose in our daily lives. They're clothing that was made to do something. You're wearing this like functional. functional clothing, and I've said this before, and I'm sure you can agree the best styling comes from function, function before fashion.
1: 100%, I agree. So yeah, so my collection spans from, probably my earliest pieces are 70s. I have stuff that's modern day, but uh, my favorite stuff is country, but I have a bit of everything.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna do country teas today, and we're going to do the rest on future episodes so make sure you come back for more and i'm going to be getting you on a weekly call like this agreed agreed okay you heard it here you heard it here okay agreed. so Fine. Let, let's jump into this so country too. you told me on the phone before you're like country kind of inspired was pre-rl just give the country lead in by talking about country and double rl and then let's show some of this okay so country country
1: basically in, in my eyes was the predecessor to double rl It was the line that, like, predominantly paid homage to Americana. So all those different categories we just spoke on uh, were represented in some way through Polo Country. Um, Polo Country ended, and then later on, we got Double RL. But I'll segue this in showing you some of the bits. Double RL, if you don't know, is um, Ralph Lauren's high-end line that is vintage-inspired. Um, so it's based off of uh, vintage Americana clothing, also some European clothing, but it's, it's high end. It's uh, the ultimate homage to vintage yeah. American clothing.
0: And it's, it. They, they have a lot of pieces that are true representations of those pieces. They have many pieces that are total mishmashes of multiple Americana pieces, which is as a vintage dealer, it's super cool to go and, Just shopped it because you can see influence from all eras, right? Absolutely, military motorcycle. Um, And yeah, we'll we'll show those on some other on some other episodes. Yeah, Uh, it it is high end, and they've even come out. We've heard from certain people within the company that like Double RL doesn't even make money sometimes, some years because they spend so much money in development and production of that product, from hand distressing items to like the highest quality leathers to hand sewn garments in America it's it's just the top of the top quality of of any brand In my
1: opinion out of any brand it's my favorite brand uh by far if i could yeah. buy every piece every season i would
0: yeah. and then I, the double rl is rrl uh and it, it's the name of their of, of ralph Lauren's ranch right that's where the name correct. came from that's correct um so he named it after his ranch so double rl is actually kind of his brainchild his like true love of the company it probably spawned from like him at some point saying like you know i've been in this business long enough i want to like start something that's just true to my heart that i can like get lit up again about and then Mm -hmm. that came out and then we still have it going this day, even though sometimes it might not make money because it's such so, so much work but he's still going just because ralph Lauren stays too true to his dream
1: yeah and just to touch on that there was a time actually when you know i, I believe WRL started in 93 and there was a time when they actually shut it down um and then they brought it back again i've okay. been to the WRL head office um the design studio the showroom it's absolutely incredible um that was an yeah. incredible
0: memory uh, one more thing and, i'm gonna t- one more thing i'm gonna say before you start showing us some shit is uh talking about a company like that, not making money, it's, you know, they're selling $800 jeans, five, $600 jeans, $800 jackets, $1,500, $5,000, like leather jackets. Like it's expensive stuff. From the layman going in there and looking at something, you'd think that they're rolling in money. Right. And this is, this is like a misconception with a lot of people looking outside in on businesses. You really have no idea. Just because something's expensive or someone's, someone's selling product doesn't mean they're actually making any money. You really it, I just I say this because I think we do it, and people look at us sometimes. There's times when we weren't making money straight up. Yeah. You know, we were like, "Fuck, it's tough in this business." Mm-hmm. And then, but then there's people maybe looking in, going like, "Oh, those guys are rolling in it just because they're selling product." But you really don't judge a book by its cover. One hundred percent. The moment you've been waiting for. Let's show some shit. As you know, this is a Polo archive talk, and we got to show the product, and we can't show the product on a podcast so you got to go watch the youtube video this is the end of the podcast if you want to continue go watch the video we go through jesse's full 58 polo country t-shirts showing a lot of details tags uh cool graphics and yeah hope you like the polo talk go check out the video stay tuned for more on the polo archives coming soon